Good day, everyone. Welcome to the CSU Relentless Gardener podcast. I am Colorado State University horticultural agent Linda Langelo. And joining me today is Lisa Mason, CSU Extension horticultural agent of Arapahoe County. Now let's get to the heart of it where we explore the horticultural topic of wasps. Hello, Lisa. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. So tell people what is the role of wasps in the ecosystem? This is one of the most common questions I get about wasps. And really wasps provide very valuable pest control services because most wasps feed on caterpillars, crickets, spiders, and even some other pesky, pesky insects. So they really keep the pest levels down in our garden ecosystems. We also have, um, you know, the Western yellow jacket in our area, which feeds on carrion, which is dead things. Uh, so their, their role really is, um, they're the ecosystem cleanup crew. I just love that term, ecosystem cleanup crew. <laughs> uh, so, so what are the nuisance wasps? Yeah, so, you know, we have a couple of wasp species that really give all wasps a, a bad reputation, but we have hundreds of thousands of species of wasps in our world. And so, but there are a couple that, that tend to, to be a nuisance. And so, uh, two of those are the Western yellow jacket and the European paper wasp. Now let's talk about the Western yellow jacket. Um, they are responsible for 90% or more of all insect stings. So they, they can be a little more aggressive than the other wasps. And the reason is because they're scavengers, they're, they're looking for food. Uh, they just happen to be attracted to many human food sources, garbage cans, um, sugary stuff, picnics, barbecues, you know, a lot of our outdoor activities, um, yellow jackets are very attracted to um, and during the fall, you know, especially when it starts to get colder, um, food is, becomes more scarce and, and sometimes they can be a little more aggressive. And so where the, the nuisance comes in is since they're attracted to human food sources, um, you know, people, you know, start swatting at them and, or accidentally step on one. And that's where, um, you know, the, the insect stings come in. And, and again, that's over 90% of all insect stings. So that tells you, you know, honeybees and other wasps um, really aren't as high of a sting risk. Uh, Western yellow jackets live underground. So they will build um, papery, well-protected nests in hollowed out cavities. So yellow jacket nests can sometimes be very difficult to find. Other times, unfortunately, there sometimes happens to be a yellow jacket nest near where, where there's a lot of human activity too. So, but if you ever have a wasp nest underground, uh, you know, a large colony, it's, it's probably, it could be the Western yellow jacket. Um, and then European paper wasps are the other nuisance wasp uh, that gets a lot of attention. They are actually an invasive species. So they came to Colorado about 2001 and they've become very well established. They're, they're everywhere. Um, they are a low sting risk but they do sting when their nest is disturbed. 
So they happen to make their paper open face papery nests uh, under house eaves in dark sheds, really any dark location. And in, you know, around human infrastructure, there happens to be a lot of nest locations for them. So low sting risk, especially when they're like visiting flowers for nectar. But if you have a nest right where, you know, when you go into your shed to get the lawnmower out, if they feel threatened, they might sting. Um, European paper wasps feed on caterpillars and sometimes other insects. So they, they've actually contributed to pest control in our gardens because they, they feed on those, those pesky caterpillars. They also feed on other caterpillars like butterflies and, and maybe species of caterpillars that we want in our gardens. So they've changed our garden ecosystem, um, you know, pretty dramatically over the last 20 years. Yeah, I I'd say so. So as a homeowner, what are the control options for yellow jackets and European paper wasps? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I would say, you know, if the wasps aren't bothering you, totally fine to, to leave it. It's not going to cause any harm. Um, for, for yellow jackets, if, if you know you're, especially if you're allergic to stings and yellow jackets are, are a pervasive problem in your landscape, get those yellow tube yellow jacket traps and put them out very early in the spring, like March or April, because colonies, you know, both paper wasps and yellow jackets live a one year life cycle, meaning when winter comes, that current colony will die. The only survivors are those newly mated queens, which will hibernate. And then in the spring, she's going to go find a brand new place to make a nest. They never return to their old nests. So you can catch with those yellow jacket traps, you can actually catch the new queens before she starts a colony. So a couple important things about those, those wasp traps, you'll want to make sure the wasp trap, um, has the, the pheromone that attracts only yellow jackets. Um, if you're using the, the pheromone traps, you're not going to catch bees or any other, any other insects. There are traps out there that use UV light, sugar, other things. And, and those kind of traps will capture everything, you know, lots of bees, other, other beneficial insects too. So, so when you, when you purchase those yellow tube traps, be sure to, to get the trap that, um, has the yellow jacket pheromone with it, put them out in the spring. When you put them out in July, oftentimes, you know, there's a full colony of workers by then. So you'll catch, you know, some of the workers, um, but it, it may not provide enough control. Um, uh, the other thing is, is if you come across a nest and it's not bothering you, totally fine to leave it, you know, if it's away from human activity. Um, if you happen to have a nest that's by your back door or anywhere where there, there's a lot of human activity, um, those nests are, are hard to treat uh, by the individual. You know, things like wasp sprays just really aren't going to be very effective because those nests are so well protected underground. So if, the, if there's a nest causing trouble, really the best thing to do is call a pest control company um, and have a professional remove that nest. Because, um, you know, if you try to remove it, that, that can be very, very dangerous. And then for European paper wasps, 
Um, this is where, you know, the wasp rays can, can come in handy. If you've got a nest that's on a two-story house Eve and it's not bothering you, you know, it's not a risk, um, a sting risk or anything, it's totally fine to leave it. Um, but if you've got, you know, a, a European paper wasp nest in your shed where you need to get into or, you know, by the back door, you might consider wasp sprays. Um, and when you use wasp spray, make sure you follow the instructions because um, the label is the law and you're going to be most effective at removing that nest. Um, like you'll want to do it at night when most of the wasps are, are back at their nest and, you know, the bees aren't flying around. Things like that um, can go a long way. Once you remove a wasp nest, be sure to hose that area down pretty well because there'll be um, a smell. So if any wasps survive, they may come back and try to rebuild during, during that season. Um, and just a couple other wasps that can be a nuisance um, that sometimes they're, they're actually not a nuisance, but there's a perception that they are. Uh, we have two other social wasps that are real common around here, and that is the bald-faced hornet and aerial yellow jackets. Both of those wasp species create that iconic funnel-shaped papery uh, wasp nest, um, sometimes that you see in, in movies and cartoons. Uh, they build those nests high in a tree, and they actually, if they're high in a tree, um, they, they're not a threat to to people unless you're climbing that tree so these wasps most of the time people don't even notice them they're they're here they're in our environments people notice them when winter comes and the leaves fall off the trees and then they see this giant nest well by that time all the wasps are are dead that colony um is is done for the season the only survivors will be the the hibernating queens so if you have one of those nests high in your tree I would just leave it. Um, it's it's not worth the 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 money and the the resources to remove it, because um, that that colony will die when winter comes. Um, but if you do have kids climbing that tree, or you know, um, if you have an arborist over, be sure to to let them know, because if they do feel their nest is threatened, it could be um, a higher sting risk. That's a that's a scenario you, you don't want happening. Yes. <laughs> and and timing on on handling these insects is important. You know, like you said at night and then and then March and April with the yellow jackets. You know, you miss Absolutely. that time. You miss that timing. You have to know their life cycle so that you can get a handle on it. And and by all means, please call the extension office. Yes. Absolutely. So, so what are some other wasps that I might see in my backyard besides all these nuisance ones and invasive ones? Yeah, so wasps are a fascinating group of insects. They're, they're one of my favorites um, because, like I said before, we have hundreds of other species that really just do their own thing kind of behind the scenes. Most people don't even notice they're there, but they're providing valuable pest control services. Um, we have predatory hunting wasps. So they're the ones that are going to target uh, crickets and caterpillars and spiders um, and, and maybe other insects. So they're, since they, they're solitary, uh, they have a similar life cycle as, as solitary bees. They might nest underground or they'll nest in cavities uh, and they, they don't bother people. They're very low sting risk uh, and they 
they're bringing back prey for, for their brood. And so they'll, you know, for instance, some spider hunting wasps will, uh, the black and yellow mud dauber can bring six or more spiders in each nest cell. And that, that young larva will have all the provisions it needs to become an adult wasp. Uh, so they're, they're fascinating to watch. Um, if you have a bee hotel, sometimes these solitary nesting wasps will nest in the bee hotels and that's totally fine. They're not harming the bees. They're not out competing the bees. They're just, they need a place to nest too. And since they, these solitary wasps are a low sting risk, um, it's a fantastic opportunity to, to watch these wasps in action uh, where you might not otherwise see or notice them. So our solitary hunting wasps are, are an amazing group of wasps we have in our gardens. We also have parasitoid wasps that will actually target specific pest species uh, and, and help keep the, the pest control down. So uh, one of my favorite wasps that, that I see in, in the backyard is actually the Western paper wasp. And so these are, are different than the European paper wasp, um, but, but similar in life cycle. They tend to nest in cavities. Um, and I see them visiting flowers, uh, especially my, my hollyhock this time of year. They're visiting flowers for nectar. Um, not aggressive. They just, they just do their own thing, but most of the time, um, people don't notice they're there. So I have a strong appreciation for wasps in our, our garden ecosystems. And it's, it's good to, to learn the difference. So, you know, what you're dealing with. And I know when they're in flight and everything, it's really hard to tell the difference. But again, if, if they have a question, if they can get a picture, uh, that would be great. And then they would know what they're dealing with. Absolutely. And there's a lot of confusion around um, what do wasps versus bees look like. And, and again, if you can grab a picture, um, please send it to the extension office because we'll, we're happy to share that, that knowledge. Do we have to worry about the Asian giant hornet in Colorado? Well, that's another great question. So the Asian giant hornets, uh, also known, you know, in the, in the media, it was often referred to as the murder hornets, uh, made headlines in 2020. Everybody was home because of the pandemic. We were in our gardens more. And then the, this story just made waves. Uh, so here, here's what you need to know. Um, a small number of individuals was found in a small location in Washington. Uh, entomologists in Washington are working diligently to, to eradicate it. Um, they've eradicated at least one uh, colony, to, to my knowledge. Uh, it is not going to come to Colorado. And there, there's a few reasons why. Uh, first of all, we don't have the right climate. We are, Colorado is dry and we have cold winters, uh, where, where the Asian giant hornet actually prefers, uh, you know, um, more humid and not as cold of a climate. So even if it got here, it, it more than likely would not be able to survive, would also have a really hard time getting here. Um, you know, we've got things like the Rocky Mountains and, and other landmarks, um, and it would have to travel a long distance to, to get here. It's not an insect that that travels well. You know, we 
we talked about the spotted lanternfly and that's an excellent hitchhiker, um, you know, where, where something like the Asian giant hornets isn't going to travel um, as easily. So it's possible, but it's more than, you know, not too likely. Um, and this is important because when everyone was home in their gardens in, in 2020, people started noticing some of our larger native wasps that are actually, you know, some of them are completely harmless. And so they, they started killing them and sending them to the extension office saying, hey, I found a, a, a murder hornet. And when in fact, um, they did not. And the most common wasps that were confused were the uh, pigeon tremex, which is a, a horntail wasp. It is large. It looks, it might look intimidating. It is not. It actually um, couldn't sting you if it tried. Uh, what looks like a stinger is actually an ovipositor. Ovipositors are used to lay eggs and for the pigeon tremex, they lay eggs in the bark of dead and dying trees. So a completely harmless insect just doing its thing. Um, but it, but it got a lot of attention in, you know, 2020. Um, and then cicada killers, cicada killing wasps were another wasp that it's, they're very large because they hunt cicadas, which are a large insect, uh, some of them. So, they're solitary. They do their own thing. Um, if you picked one up or stepped on one, it'd be a pretty painful sting. But again, you would have to try really hard to get stung by a cicada killing wasp. Um, so I would encourage you, you know, if you're seeing a large wasp and you're not sure what it is, don't kill it. Um, try to get a picture of it. Um, you can send it to the extension office for, for peace of mind in, in knowing what it is. Um, but, but we do have a lot, a lot of very interesting wasps in our ecosystems and they're not a threat. They're, they're not a risk. Um, a couple other things about the, the Asian giant hornet too. Uh, there was a lot of media attention on how they could decimate honeybee colonies and, you know, the Asian giant hornet, just like many of our other insects are opportunistic hunters. So there was a colony nearby a honeybee apiary. They would do some, some pretty significant damage, but they don't just seek out honeybees too. So that's an important distinction. Um, honeybees are facing a wide variety of challenges like the varroa mites. And those are a far larger concern than, than the risk of the, the Asian giant hornets in Colorado. And the last thing, um, and this, this just recently happened. So, uh, the entomological society of America has a 12 person national committee. It's a common names committee. And so our, our job is to look over proposals to rename some insects. Um, so for instance, the gypsy moth was just renamed, um, the, I believe it was, is the spongy, spongy moth. Um, in an effort to dispel some of the fear around insects, but also have a, a more appropriate name. So for instance, the, the Asian giant hornet during the pandemic, um, there was a lot of negative discriminatory comments towards Asian communities. Um, so we have renamed the Asian giant hornet, uh, went through a public comment period. It's all approved. It's actually now named the Northern Giant Hornet. And this is significant um, because in the native range, um, the, the Northern Giant Hornet is 
you know, Northern Asia, there's also a Southern giant hornet uh, that's native range in, in Southern Asia. So it's, it's a much more appropriate common name, um, the Northern giant hornet. That's great information. I, I have a story about the pigeon Tremex wasp. When I first came into Colorado and I was visiting friends, we were sitting on a bench outside in their landscape and about 20 feet away was a landscape bed. It had a hackberry and it had a bunch of other plants in it. And this pigeon tremex came flying around and came flying around me and landed on my shoulder and wow. sat there for several minutes. And I was like frozen. I'm like, okay, not sure what this is. It looks pretty harmful. But <laughs> I sat still enough that I could, you know, turn and kind of get a look at it. And then as it flew away, I got a, a better look at it. And then I, I went to my insect entomology book and, and looked it up. And I thought, well, that is cool. Wow, that is cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it it really just, you know, I kind of, it kind of befriended me, I guess. And, and then just went to the hackberry across the way and that was that wow oh that's amazing <laughs> yeah it, it was but but if you didn't know it would it would really scare the the, the daylights out of you because that ovipositor is 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 really long on there and you're thinking okay yes. what's this gonna do to me <laughs> yes yeah absolutely <laughs> and it just sat there calmly you know <laughs> oh that's great and you know that's the best thing you can do when you've got insects you're not sure what they are just stay calm um you know because you start swatting at them and and freaking out they'll they'll probably be more likely to sting if they do sting you know like the pigeon pigeon tremex can't even sting right right well some of these other wasps would would come after you and uh and if you are even slightly allergic, it makes that condition worse. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, well, thank you, Lisa, for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. You're welcome. A thank you to the audience for listening and tune in next time when we get to the heart of the matter on another horticultural topic. 